book of 1 John, chapter 4, verses 7 to 21. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believe that the love of God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not yet been made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers or sisters, are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they can see, cannot love God whom they can't see. The commandment we have from him is this, those who love God must love their siblings also. A reading from the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up! Go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and he went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He came to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning home, seated in his chariot. He was reading from the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to his chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading from the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep 
he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation was justice denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, About whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Our gospel reading comes from the book of John, chapter 15, verses 1 to 8. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A lot of abide in me, abide in you, God is love, God is love, God is love. Are you abiding? Are you not abiding? Do you love? Do you not love? Our scriptures today tell us without a doubt that the relationships we have with each other, the relationships we have with our community, with our neighbors, are the primary way that we can tell whether or not we are branches from the true vine that produce true fruit. It's our relationships with each other. It's our love for one another that lets us know whether or not we are truly dwelling in the Spirit and the Spirit is dwelling in us. Relationships are seemingly very, very important 
to God and to the spirit that is at work on earth to bring us all into God's family. This is the spirit that was released on Easter. And still in this Easter season, this fifth Sunday of Easter, we are called to ask ourselves what fruit we are bearing and what relationships we need in order to bear that fruit in the way that God wants us to. (laughs) We've gotten some great spirit-filled messages uh, over the last few weeks. Uh, Christopher gave us a powerful message on unity. This morning, Reverend Wright gave us a message on non-judgment. These things go straight to the heart of relational power. And if you are plugged into the spirit right now, you might not have the words for it, but you know exactly what I'm talking about because this whole pandemic we have been working on, training, getting ready, just sowing the seeds of relational power and relational action. And the closer you are to the heartbeat of this ministry, the more engaged you have been in that process. Relationships in the church context sometimes go a little stale. Sometimes churches turn so inward that they're only concerned about the relationships between one another and they stop trying to include more people. And I am not about to prepare a message just telling y'all to go along, to get along, and to be nice to one another, and to just try to maintain the status quo, I want us to really embrace the spirit of Easter, the spirit of resurrection that calls your imagination to open to new possibilities. Matt Skinner, a biblical commentator, says this about our, our passage from the book of Acts. Today, Since the overall story is about a man raised from the dead, the arrival of God's spirit to empower ordinary people to attempt extraordinary things and the perseverance of a religious movement that asks its members to imitate the communitarian ethos of a man crucified by the Roman authorities... Perhaps no individual episode can be, can be considered too incredible. Acts, just like Easter, urges you to put cautious rationality on the shelf and follow an unrestrained God into the world, wondering as you go what else might be possible. Both Acts and Easter want your imagination to run Wild. The story from Acts today uh, tells this, talks about the disciple Philip. He's presumably minding his own business, as you often are when God comes to you. 
with a word. He tells Philip to go up to a carriage that's passing by. When he goes to the carriage, he can hear the person riding it, reading out loud a scroll from the book of Isaiah. He asks the one who's reading, do you understand what you are reading? And wouldn't you know it, he happens to have found someone with the humility to say, no, not really. How could I unless someone explains it to me? Oh, that there was just a little bit more of this kind of humility on earth. And Philip takes this chance to make a relationship with someone who many people might have thought was not worth making a relationship with. Why? Because this was an outsider. This was someone from far away. This was someone uh, who was a eunuch, someone who would have been looked down on because of his uh, gender, because of his sex. That might be hard to relate to you. It's in our, in our modern, civilized country, and in, in, in the church that we've grown up in, and the church that we have helped build, it's hard to get your head around the notion that because of someone's sexuality, or because of someone's gender, or because of the color of somebody's skin, that they would find themselves on the outside. I know, but if you can just Show some imagination. Then you might be able to get into that headspace and realize how radical it was for Philip to include this eunuch from a foreign land. And why does Philip do that except that he is filled with a revolutionary spirit. Philip knows that what has begun to happen is tearing down all of the walls that once previously divided us. What has happened in the resurrection is bigger than any religion that had existed previously. It's bigger than any social structure. It's bigger than any empire or company or family. It's bigger than any of that. All of those things have fallen away. And the eunuch seems to know this too, because he is the one that says, why shouldn't I be baptized? And still today, we have many people on the outside asking, why shouldn't I be baptized? Why shouldn't I be ordained? Why shouldn't I be allowed to sing in the choir? Why shouldn't I be allowed in the door? Why shouldn't I be considered not just of sacred worth, but also treated like I am sacred and of worth? But today we have disciples who have the audacity to try to answer that question with all kinds of reasons why. You ought not to be. But Philip didn't have to talk back. He just put that brother in the water. Because the spirit is going to the ends of the earth, to cultures you don't understand, and to uh, relationships you've never heard of, and to structures and systems you've never seen before. And it's not going to look the same everywhere that it looks to you, but it's going. It's going. 
whether you like it or not. Matt Skinner continues his commentary saying, this reminds us that the good news will not travel to the ends of the earth primarily because of focus groups, strategic plans, demographic analyses. It will do so because individuals will gladly carry it. Because they recognize that it speaks to them no matter who they are or how others measure them. Those individuals recognize that the good news acknowledges their worth and dignity. The good news thwarts the prejudice that religions and societies keep falling into. Let this passage direct attention towards the horizons. Reflecting on this story, another theologian writer Uh, Justoel Gonzalez writes, In studying the history of the church and its missionary progress, we repeatedly see that the great movements, the most notable discoveries of unsuspected dimensions of the gospel and of obedience to it, usually appear not at the center, but at the margins, at the periphery. The Ethiopian reminds us that those who situate ourselves around the center might be inclined to expect too little from the good news, to underestimate its capacity to bless and include others. Our imaginations grow rigid and unresponsive. Do you expect too little from the good news? Do you underestimate the grace of God? Do you not know that this mission is going to the ends of the earth? To every kingdom and nation? To every people, group, and culture? Every tribe, tongue, and language? Do you not know that the earth has no end? And so neither does the mission of God. Where, where, where is the fruit of our ministry? Are we branches connected to the true vine? Does the work we're doing here and now flow to the ends of the earth? Do we abide in Christ and does Christ Abide in us. Is your imagination active or is it rigid and unresponsive? Can you imagine being a part of a movement so radical that everyone is invited? Can you imagine being a part of a family so inclusive that nobody is excluded? Can you imagine? having doors open and not having gatekeepers. Can you imagine a community that follows Jesus 
and expels all prejudice and discrimination. Can you imagine? That a tiny church that most people had never heard of would be God's launching place for a mighty move of the Spirit that reaches to the ends of the earth. A garden that produces fruit that feeds a whole city. A garden that produces fruit that gives new life to a whole neighborhood. Can you imagine? Open your mind. See yourself as a part of this body. See yourself as a branch growing from that true vine. See yourself budding with God's life-giving fruit today. What can you imagine? Did you know churches can have, can, can run businesses? Churches can host endowments. Churches can hold credit unions. Churches can own property and hire people and give people jobs and churches can house people. Churches can clothe people. Churches can be self-sustaining. Imagine a renovated sanctuary that community members know is safe and welcoming and affirming of who they are. Imagine Imagine if your imagination is active today, if you are one of the foolish people that I've been looking for, if you are ready, if you are plugged in, then know that I cannot do this by myself. I will need God's help. And part of the way God helps God's people is through God's people, is through relationships that are built on love and that share the value of being true to God's inclusive mission that extends to all people across all time and all space. And if that's you, if you know that that's you, the ask today is small because we are in a day of small beginnings. All that's asked of you in this time is to complete uh, the congregational survey. Say who you are, how you've been connected to this mission. And... (laughs) And just be ready and excited because God is going to do amazing things that are going to blow your mind. I can feel it in my bones. I don't know how many people there are with us right now. I don't have a, I don't have a number. I don't have a counter. But I'm not too worried about that because whoever you are listening right now, you're, you're the one I want. You're the one I need. If you've, had, if you've been faithful in a little, so God wants to give you a lot. So take the time today. 
fill this survey out. Sign up for, I'm, I know Sister Yvonne has gotten a hold of some of you to get into these, these groups that we're doing. All of this stuff is happening for a reason. And you might not see uh, how the pieces are moving on the board. You might not see how the, the puzzle pieces fit together, but they go together. God sees the end from the beginning. And you don't need to see the end. You just need to play your part, knowing that we are going somewhere good. If you believe that, say amen. I know that Chester has, has helped us out by give, giving the, the, the link to the survey. If you are supporting us financially, maybe you can do, uh, we, we recently just increased our giving. Maybe you can give five more dollars this month than you gave last month. See what the Spirit has in store. For you. I am so glad that you were with us today, whether you're with us live, whether you are catching this by recording, know that you are welcome to be a part of this mission. You are included. This is about you, whoever you are. You are loved and seen and heard in this space. You are sacred and should be treated as such. That is all that I have for you this week. Uh, I look forward to seeing you next week. We are going to keep on seeking the face of God together and keep on uh, holding forth the word of hope and faith and salvation that has been put in our hearts and gives us hope for a bright and abundant future. Peace be with you all. Amen.